0: Have you experienced being at the peak and then feeling you're undeserving of those achievements, that position, that success, and that it's a matter of time before your luck runs out? That is the definition of the imposter syndrome, a term developed by psychologists Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes, originally termed the imposter phenomenon back in the 70s. According to research, around 25 to 30 percent of high achievers may suffer from imposter syndrome and around 70 percent of adults may experience imposterism at least once in their lifetime. So it affects many of us and these feelings and these feelings flourish when we're successful and not when we're failing. That would be an interesting mind twist. So today I have with me an amazing, courageous woman whose life has always been a blend of wellness entrepreneurship and who has gone through massive success and also through some big learning experiences. And with her, we talk about the different ways imposter syndrome can show up and making great distinctions about it that can help overcome it. In this episode, Jackie Dumaine shares parts of her journey of soul search, going from massive success to stopping it all more than once. And her curiosity, trust in life and perseverance has led her to where she is today. She shares with us great tools to upgrade your thinking, your confidence and the connection with your intuition. She's a woman with a mission, and the mission is to help you upgrade the way you think so that you can see and create bigger possibilities for yourself and for the world. With her, we also talk about what is and what is not self-sabotage, a distinction that can help you navigate those moments that feel really awful, heavy, confusing, chaotic, how to face self-doubt, powerful questions to ask yourself when feeling stuck or out of alignment. Self-respect and how self-care and self-love will come from self-respect. How to start answering the question, who am I, which is profound. We also talk about boundaries and self-esteem. We talk about toxic relationships and what can help to start walking away from them. The importance of communication to release shame and guilt. What can help us bring more compassion and unity in the world as a whole? We also talk about her launching of her elevation code and she leaves us with a wonderful, powerful exercise to practice intuition, which in her case led her to an encounter with Simon Sinek. Okay, so this episode comes packed. So are you ready? Grab pen and paper. And if you're driving, make sure to take one key idea from all of this. Have you ever wondered what makes people capable of creating changes that impact their lives and the world around them? What is their way of thinking, their mentality, their patterns, their perceptions of the world, their reactions to different live events? What influences them? My name is Cristina Puyol, and I invite you to join me in this adventure where we will explore together the mind of change makers. Today I have with me a visionary entrepreneur, speaker, writer, transformational coach and founder of The Elevation Code. She has gone through several big changes from leaving her small village in Canada to shifting careers in 2010 when she left her successful career as an advertising executive and traveled to an ashram in India where she studied yoga and meditation with Vishalji and the World Conscious Yoga Family. Upon her return to Canada, she founded Stillness Room, an online meditation supply company with over a dozen wholesale across the country, selling products imported from India and Indonesia. Then she sold it and launched the Yoga Code and became really successful. And then, well, I will let her tell you all of that. (laughs) Jackie Dumain is a woman with a mission, and the mission is to help you upgrade the way you think so that you can see and create bigger possibilities for yourself and for the world. And as she says, the road that got her there wasn't that straight line. So there are many things that we can learn from her. So help me in welcoming this beautiful soul, Jackie Dumain. How are you, Jackie? I am fantastic. How are you this morning? Well, this afternoon, this evening... (laughs) depends on what you are right (laughs) yeah we are it's it's afternoon yeah so Mm -hmm. so happy to have you here and uh we've spoken before this recording and we had so much to talk about so let's see how much we can pack in this hour because i'm really excited to share a lot of your things but could we start first with a little bit of this story of your you know your progression yeah. Um, where would you like me to start? Like I was telling a little bit how you transition in your career from a little bit of corporate to then jumping into yeah. India. Yeah. You know, I think
1: that um well, I always believe in times of transition. So if anyone's listening who's in sort of that time of transition where you don't quite know, like, cause it can be a very turbulent time, right? Yeah. I truly believe in like going back and looking at your life, uh, like the pieces of a puzzle, right? I mean, we've heard that saying, I think it was Steve jobs that said, you have to collect the dots before you connect the dots. And when I look at um, the progression of my life, I mean, you, you mentioned it. I, I I was raised in a small French Canadian town. The population was 1100. And because my father has 13 siblings, most of the town was my cousins right? it was <laughs> it was like all relatives and yet even though i was you know in this small kind of french canadian catholic community i felt like there was more right that there was just kind of more out there and when i was 12 years old i started exploring a little bit of like buddhism and like just different religions because I just knew that there was more, but I didn't, I didn't understand it at the time. I just thought it was weird, right? I thought like this isn't this is bizarre. And so, um, and luckily I was always a journal writer. So I have a lot of notes from this time. But as things progressed into my life, you mentioned I, I did end up leaving that town to move to a big city. And, um, with my son who was three years old at the time I was 22 when I moved to Calgary and when I look at sort of my career, it has always been this blend of wellness and like business entrepreneurship. And I mean, I worked in advertising and media and print media. And then I left that career and became a massage therapist and worked in wellness and energy work, et cetera. And then I went back and worked in advertising and media again, as you shared, and had quite a powerful defining moment in my life when I was working in this career. So I was really at the top of my game so we're going to talk about two times that this happened right where you're sort of everything on the outside looks like it's great i was making money i was successful i had other media companies recruiting me and yet something inside of me was just not aligned and when we're not aligned it doesn't matter what you have on the outside you you just start to feel really really empty. And there was one defining moment. I remember it was November of 2008 and I was in my car blocks away from the office that I worked in and I just froze. Like my hands were on the steering wheel, even though I was parked, tears were running down my face, major panic attack. I couldn't breathe. My heart was pounding. I honestly contemplated life. I'm like, what's the point in all of this? Because I had so much inner turmoil. I knew that there was more. Once again, I had that feeling of, I think I'm meant for more, but I don't know what that is. And when I was in that space in my car, and I'm just like thinking back to it now because it's still so vivid. I remember my Blackberry, at that, the days of the Blackberry was just like dinging and dinging and dinging. It was a it was a kind of a gray November day here in Calgary. And then the sun kind of peeked around the corner. And I always say this sounds cheesy, but it's true. The sun peeked around the corner, and I got this message that everything is going to be okay. So I got the message here, but my body didn't hear the message. I was still in panic mode. So I, once that settled, I called my doctor's office right away and said, I need to make an appointment because what had just happened to me was. Like, I, I, yeah, it was a scary, scary experience. And the interesting thing is when I went to go and see her, and this is a doctor who's known me for a while, so it's not like I just met her. I shared with her what had happened. And within minutes, she just prescribed Effexor to me, which is a pretty hardcore antidepressant. Like immediately she just said you, you had anxiety, this depression, here's Effexor. And christina, i I think that happens a lot mm. yep. where we are um prescribed medication so quickly without digging to like the deeper layers and so right around that time, a yoga studio opened up close to my home and I had like practiced yoga in the past, but I had sort of left that practice when I went back into media and I remember in the two weeks that I began practicing, first of all, that medication made me feel weird. I remember my right eye used to twitch. And I just intuitively knew like, this is this is not good for me. And it was in Shavasana, in one of the Shavasana classes or yoga classes in Shavasana, that tears started rolling down my eyes. And if you've ever been in a Shavasana in yoga or any kind of experience, sometimes it brings up a lot of emotions. And I remember that feeling that I had in my car that when the sun came and I just thought, "Okay, everything's going to be okay. I had that same feeling, but this time the message was you're not depressed. Your spirit, your soul is sad. And so I stopped taking the meditation or the medication right away which probably wasn't a good idea to cut it cold turkey because it had a bunch of other side effects um but i just started diving deeper into becoming aligned with me like w- removing the noise becoming aligned with me listening to intuition and that led me to one day seeing a brochure in the yoga studio for yoga teacher training And uh, in January of 2010, I left my career in media and went to India to do a little bit of an eat, pray, love. And I'm I'm sure many people listening have thought about it, (laughs) just kind of quitting everything behind or leaving everything and quitting everything and just going to find yourself, right? Going to find yourself. And that's what I went to India for. I thought if I went to India and studied yoga and lived in an ashram, that everything would be okay. Like that was would be the solution. And what I discovered when I was there was a lot, a lot more than that. And that's what led to to the Yoga Code and now the new evolution of this work, the Elevation Code. But I met so many people, Christina, in India that were the same. That were all there. Kind of seeking something, like leaving something behind, and trying to find a way to fill that void, right? Just to really try and find a way to fill that void. And I, I, I think I did in India. I don't think you have to travel to India to find yourself. I really don't. You can, you know, I say this all the time. You could just go sit in your living room and find yourself, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, are you familiar with John Kabat-Zinn? No. He's a meditation instructor, and he has a book called. Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, yeah, yeah. Wherever you go, so you're like you're going to bring the stuff with you.
0: Yeah.
1: But it was it was in India that I discovered these these 10 foundational principles of yoga philosophy. And I don't know, I won't like go deep into them, but what really surprised me was that in our Western world, we were so focused on asana, the postures, the physical, the physical, the physical, and nothing to do with the more spiritual um, aspect of yoga. And in the East, they actually practice that more. So that was my big, big discovery there. And when I came back I decided to take these principles and translate them in a way that people here in the West could understand because they were like, you know, written in Sanskrit and they're 2000 years old, 2000 plus years old. And that really sparked this momentum with this work that led to running workshops around the world, sold out retreats coaching programs digital programs partners promotional partnerships with Wayne Dyer Deepak Chopra I spoke with on events with Marianne Williamson Bruce Lipton wow. Michael Beckwith yeah. um
0: the and this success- is way before pre pandemic i mean you had all these oh my way gosh! this
1: was in 2012 yeah 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 no 2013, it's like- 14 um Yeah, it it was, it was a a while ago and, but yet that same thing happened again as the success kind of came and the momentum was building really quickly. I, I kind of hit this wall and I think it's a combination of imposter complex. I started asking myself like, who am I, you know, to do this, to do this work? Um, and I also thought that I had to like live as a yogi. I thought I had to sort of present myself as a yogi. I thought I had to throw out all my stilettos and only wear Birkenstocks. And, you know, I kind of joke about this, but I thought I had could never eat a croissant again. And I'm French and I had to only have like kale salad and I couldn't have red wine. I could only have matcha green tea. And I just felt like I wasn't living like authentically. And, you know, I'm going to encourage anyone who's listening to this, if you're feeling this sort of sense that your life doesn't fit, that there's pieces of the puzzle that isn't fitting, I'd encourage people to ask, like, where in my life am I not really living authentically? Where am I lying to myself? And I felt like I was lying to myself because there was a lot of the stuff I was teaching, I wasn't actually living. And, you you can't live that. It's just impossible, right? It catches up to you. It's not impossible, but it catches up to you. So in around 2014, no, no, 2016, I just put it all on hold. And this was another transition. I literally just ghosted everybody. I stopped emailing my email list. I stopped communicating with my clients. I didn't do any more workshops, retreats, I just put it all away
0: and, but wasn't people go- looking for you? Like weren't people, cause if you had, you know, so many people around you or so many connections, you know, I, I cannot imagine like shutting all that off. Well, I didn't
1: completely disappear. Right. I kept like, I posted it on social media and, um, but I didn't ever, I just stopped promoting the yoga code. Like the yoga code just died. And yes, people were asking, like, what happened Like after a few months? Like what, what happened? And I just said, I I have to put this work down for a nap, really just, just to put it down for a nap. And in the meantime, I was still doing something that I loved was, which was like consulting and working with organizations that are making an impact in the world. So as a business coach as well, um, that helps both entrepreneurs and organizations grow. um, I was still doing something that I loved and I still to this day do it and and still love it because I get to see the impact that it makes in people's lives. And I think it's all about impact. But in the back of my mind, you know, the code, it was was always there, it was always there. And when the pandemic hit, I thought maybe this is the time to bring it back and there was always a piece that was stuck of like no it's not the right time it's there was something about it that didn't feel right until the day i realized i didn't want to call it the yoga code anymore because these principles go so much deeper than yoga and in fact i took the principles and i manipulated them a little bit and changed them and was inspired by this ancient wisdom but then i made it my own that's relevant for today's world and i think I mean, you see this all the time, Christina, look at all the people you connect with on your podcast. Everyone wants to elevate a little bit. Mm -hmm. We're all looking for ways to, how can I think differently? How can I, you know, upgrade my mindset? How can I be kinder human being? How can I have deeper relationships? How can I stop being so attached to the stuff in the world and start being more connected to what's more meaningful and more purposeful? So I changed the name to the elevation code, and um that's that's the new work that I'm bringing out into the world now. And what's important about this story, and we we touched on this a little bit the last time we spoke, is like there's there isn't, as you said, there's not this like steady upward motion that sometimes right when we're at like the most successful part or when we're right about to reach it. We, we crash. Right. And, and that could be self-sabotage. And I actually talk a lot about that in the Elevation Code program. It's, it's called samskaras in yoga philosophy, these patterns that we do to sabotage ourselves. So I believe some of it's self-sabotage. And I also believe that some of it is life telling you, wait, wait, just wait. Not yet. Not yet. You're not ready yet. Like, don't go that way. Like, don't do that yet. So I'm going to force you (laughs) to to put that all on hold or to present you with something in your life that's going to hold you back a little bit. And I think it's important to see those experiences that feel really awful in the moment, like they feel heavy and confusing and why is this happening to me and turbulent and chaotic as a sign that
0: there's like, there's something better to come. And in this thing, in this part, you talk about the imposter syndrome. So there is a mix. And like you're saying, on the one side, you may be sabotaging yourself, which is the imposter syndrome. And on the other hand, you have life figuring out a way for you to take the path in a different way that you had planned. But a lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome. What can you do or what can help you to not make a full sabotage because some people they sabotage and they don't get back out. Uh, so absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I actually worked with Tanya Geisler, is her name. She is um an expert in the imposter complex and she was actually my coach. And I I fully believe in always working with a with a coach because they help you see your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> And a good one will call you out on it. Yeah. And she truly is an expert in the imposter complex and she's got a Ted talk on it, etc. And imposter complex can show up in so many different ways.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It can show up in like that. We don't show up. I mean, imposter complex could have taken over you and said, well, who am I to start a podcast? Yeah. Right. Like who am yeah. I to be doing this? Yeah, especially um, with, it shows, with my
0: accents.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. many ways when we yeah. when we want especially when we're on the verge of starting something that like we we're excited about. Um procrastination, perfectionism. Perfectionism is a huge form of the imposter complex and that is something that I am you know, working on every day because, you know, I I can be a perfectionist in so many different ways. And I've been practicing it a lot this week in particular, as I sort of launched the elevation code, there was a couple things that I put out there. I'm like, ah, this isn't perfect. And I just thought, I don't care. Like I don't just get it out into the world because if we just wait for I have to have the right education. I have this has to be perfect, or I need a website, or right? I like I need this social media presence. I need perfect branding. I need, you know, all these stories that we tell ourselves are just sort of an excuse to hold us back from really putting our gifts out into the world
0: you know, I started this podcast with a motto. It says, lean into imperfect action. And I had to repeat it every single day because I launched it in a week. So there was a lot of imperfect actions. And every day I told myself, lean into imperfect action, lean into, and that's the way to move forward. You know, sometimes you cannot get it the way that you want, but you are walking and you are moving. And I think that's important to to lean into, because that's gonna make it, you know, easier and easier to keep walking. And if we wait until everything is there, we won't start many times, like you're saying. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I mean, like you, just a perfect example of that. To start a podcast and launch a podcast within a week, I mean, that takes so much courage, so much courage, because there's other. You know there's other um forms of the imposter complex that might have shown up there for you and one of them is like the inner critic so we like become really critical of ourselves there's part of the imposter complex as well and again this is all from my work with tanya the co- my coach um the people pleaser like we just want to like please everyone else And, you know, at the end of the day, what I've started to realize as I even on social media, I'm I'm playing around with doing reels and, you know, and, and at first I thought, okay, like I have to have this perfect. And now I'm like, oh, that posted in the wrong way. And the cover image didn't show up. I should delete it. And I'm like, no, I don't care. And I think we need to almost realize too, that People don't care as much as we think they do. They're not yeah. scrutinizing us as much as we think they are. And if we let all of that hold us back, we'll just never, you know, really kind of step into the spotlight
0: and shine what we have to shine in the world. Yeah, so important. And, and what helped you not get stuck into the it's not not feeling it because I'm not into don't feel it no we have to feel things, but how not to get stuck into so what helped you not get stuck in the imposter syndrome beside the help of of Tanya
1: yeah i i um you know I mean it still creeps up i mean it it crept up last night when I like sent an email to my list and started promoting the elevation code in a big way. I had a bit of a moment last night with that what am I doing? Like self doubt, just washed all over me. Like nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to want this. Like all of that came up. And for me, what really helps is getting real and honest. So the second principle of the elevation code is, is truth. And I had to ask myself, and that's actually combined with the, uh, the ninth principle, which is curiosity and self-reflection. Like, is this true? Like I'm telling myself, nobody cares. Nobody's going to want it. Like, is this true? No, it's not true. It's not true. So having the ability to have that dialogue with myself and catch myself when those voices come up and that self-doubt and the criticism all comes up, I, I just have to sit with it and catch myself and, and change it around, but also on a physical level. I, I do breath work. So breath work is super important for me. I I do a breath work class once a week. Um, meditation, um, I hydrate and drink water and I ensure I eat a really healthy nourishing diet. Um, alcohol for me is, You know, I I like to have, you know, a drink with friends or a glass of wine once in a while, Um, but I've realized that it, it affects me. Like it really, even one glass of wine will affect how my thoughts are the next day. Mm -hmm. So when I'm doing stuff, because I know myself well enough to know some of my patterns and my self-sabotage patterns, if I'm in a period like I am now where I'm launching a bunch of stuff out. I actually wanna make sure I'm in prime physical, like physical, mental, spiritual energy. Otherwise I can easily be pulled into the dark.
0: That's very important because it's it is it's, it's targeting it as a whole. You're a whole human being that has all these things, the chemicals, you know, and it comes from, from what you drink, from what you breathe, for how you sleep and how you relate to others. So it's good that you say that, that you when you know you need to be at your prime you take care of yourself in every single way and you know yourself you study yourself so that you know that if you do these this is the result so if you want to have these results you cannot do these things like drinking a glass of wine so i think that's uh, really important of self-care knowing like how can you be your best when you need to be the best that you can so really really important it and is. yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. And what are so in, in coaching, we work always with improving the questions that you ask yourself. What are mm-hmm. questions that you change? Like you were saying, the first one of the codes is truth. So I asked myself, is this really true? What are questions that you can ask? Also related with imposter, why call it syndrome. Um so that you ask better questions and you don't ask, well, who am I? Why would I do this? You know, how can I develop yeah. a podcast or how can I launch a product? What are better questions that you ask yourself?
1: One of my favorite questions that I ask myself, and it's probably one of my top questions with any coaching client as well is what are you pretending not to know?
0: Wow. Yeah. Are you that's a pretending good
1: Pretending not to know. And you know, I can get into this like, well, I, I'm I'm not sure what I sh- I'm not sure what I should do. Well, yeah, you do. Like, what are you what are you pretending? What are you pretending not to know? Um, another question, like I call them filter questions. Is this bringing me closer to the life I want to create or further away from the life I want to create? So I I um I shared a, a reel on self respect the other day, and it actually was the reel that got the most traction. And I shared how I believe self-respect is more important than self-love. And we hear like all this, like you have to love yourself, self-love and practice self-care, practice self-care. But I feel what's even more important than any of that is self-respect, right? Like, is this decision, so another question, is this decision respecting myself? respecting my values, respecting my goals, respecting my dreams, respecting my energy, or is it disrespecting my life, right? When myself. So I feel like if we can, if you've stepped into the day and go, okay, today I'm going to only take actions and make choices and decisions that respect who I am. We actually like generate a whole lot more energy for ourselves. And then the self-love and self-care part like really take care of itself, right? That just happens naturally when we fully respect ourselves.
0: That's that's a very good distinction. Really, really good. So my question will be what about when you don't know what self-respect is because mm-hmm. you had maybe an abusive childhood or maybe you know traumas involving your life. Um, how can you Improve your self respect.
1: You know, I um, I actually kind of I think that question is actually in the caption of the reel. Like, maybe it's been years since you've like learned, or maybe never. What does it really feel like to respect myself? And disclaimer: I'm not a psychologist or a trauma expert. Um, however, I feel like, and this is why I think breath work, and I still, you know, have my own home yoga practice and like is so important because it helps us tap into the body because our body will actually tell us, right? So if we think, oh gosh, what would it, like, what does respecting myself look like? And if you ask yourself, what does respecting myself look like? And that's like a question that you're asking in your head. If you bring it into the body and going, what would respecting myself feel like? And, you know, whether it's just closing your eyes for a few moments and taking a breath and then feeling like, okay, if you have a choice to make, let's use relationship as an example, is staying in this relationship, do I feel respected in this relationship? So that's like an external one. It's like, do I feel respected by the other person in this relationship? Chances are, if you're not being respected by the other person, you're not typically not respecting yourself too. Um, but whether we're practicing self-respect or not, to me, the energy either contracts or expands, like contracts or expands. So um, when we are disrespecting ourselves by not being honest with ourselves, by not being honest with other people as well, we feel it. Like we feel this contraction in our energy And when we make choices that are more reflective of being in self-respect, there is an expansive energy, but it can be scary at the same time if we've never expressed it, right? If we've never been able to set healthy boundaries or been able to speak up for ourselves and clearly communicate, this isn't okay with me anymore. And I, there's a lot of work out there on boundaries now, right? Like we're learning a lot more on boundaries. I mean, I didn't, ten years ago, there wasn't a lot of talk on boundaries. There's more of it now. And I think that there's people that are kind of getting boundaries mixed up with a little bit of ego in there. like, I'm setting my boundaries. And like almost doing it from a place of like this harshness. And setting healthy boundaries for us is it, it, to me, there needs to be like a gentle energy to it so that you're honoring what you truly need rather than, um, kind of stomping your feet like a toddler and just like saying the words, but not actually following through with it in our hearts. Yeah. Cause you need to have both, right? Mm-hmm. We could say it, but if we don't
0: act on it, then it causes more pain. I think in, in this thing in boundaries, when you haven't learned as a kid, because of whatever situation that you were in i think for me it means realizing what's your space and what's somebody else's space what's your experience what's somebody else's experience where you know what you should be expressing you know it's like where is me where is me and until where do i reach and and i'm not talking about energy We you know because we can go with these in many yeah. directions Yeah. and but if you know one of my previous guests um he, 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 he suffered child trauma and he was saying how for him to express himself meant unsafeness. Like that's when he got beaten. So he learned not to be himself. Yeah. So there his boundaries were so trespassed that he could not be him because that was already like, so I see it, you know, visually as this is us, you know, this is my physical space and, and somebody went on the there. So now I need to learn, you know, where do I really start? Because where I thought I started or never existed, I actually exist. So I have to figure that out. Yeah. You know, that, that's how I see boundaries yeah. is, is to learn, okay, where where is me? And and if I was stepped on me, is, is gonna be in the wrong place. And it might not even be where I am. I, I took myself out of me to be able to survive. And now Absolutely. I need to learn yeah. again to put myself there. Yeah.
1: I like that question, like where like where is me? And I did this little exercise with myself a few years ago when I was, and this could be a really fun practice for anyone who's listening that might be thinking like, I don't really know who I am, right? Because I haven't practiced boundaries. I was like told what I wanted. I was told who I was. I wasn't allowed to be who I was, um, is to start with very small things like, Um, I just started a notes, like on my iPhone of all the things I absolutely knew about myself. And so I wrote things like, I don't like country music. Okay. That's just one thing. (laughs) I've just never really liked country music. So I wrote that. This is one thing I know. I don't like country music. I don't like the color, like for like clothing or whatever, like pale pink. I just have never really liked baby pink as the color. And so I would write that, I don't like pink. And it, it actually just sort of, when we think, well, I don't, I don't know who I am, like, what do I like? What do I not like? Just start with the most basic things. Like, I don't like blue cars. If I were to buy a car, I just would not buy a blue car, because I don't like blue cars. And as you start to write down the things that you know absolutely, you don't like or you do like then you you can step into that well I'm, I'm more confident i know
0: this stuff for a fact and then the bigger things start to reveal themselves that's a good thing yeah it's a good exercise yeah and if we go to talking about self-self self-respect and now we go to self-esteem how do you define self-esteem? And and, um, I know we talked a little bit about a story, but I don't know how much you want to share of your own story, but how do you define self-esteem?
1: Self-esteem to me, I mean, even just going back to those questions, like what do I know to be true about myself? Self-esteem is having the ability to not waver from any of that, right? Like say, let's say I don't like the color pink and I'm shopping with someone and they're, like this Oh, well, that looks beautiful on you. That dress looks amazing on you. You really need to get the pink dress. You really need to get the pink dress. Self-esteem is having the ability to stand true with no, I'm going to get the red dress. That's the dress that I want. I also believe that, um, and I've studied a lot of Carolyn Miss's work. I love her work on self-esteem and intuition. When we have a low self-esteem, we have a really hard time following our intuition. I believe everyone has intuition. We all have strong intuition. Um, Sometimes we hear it, sometimes we don't, sometimes we follow it, and a lot of times we don't. And self-esteem is also the ability to trust that inner guidance, to fully trust that inner guidance. Because in essence, trusting that inner guidance is trusting ourself. Right, that that inner wisdom is a combination of us, of us as as humans, as like physical humans, as spiritual humans. It's like energy all combined. And when we're lacking in self esteem, we have a really hard time trusting ourselves, and then others, and um, and then eventually we have a hard time just trusting life. And if anyone you know has ever said, "Life is just unfair. It's out to get me. All these things happen to me all the time." I would dig into self-esteem, right, and and where someone lands on on the self-esteem meter. Because if if there's if self-esteem is like from zero to ten, um, I'm definitely not at a ten. I know that. Um, I'm a lot closer than I was. I would say even three months ago, like three. There's been a lot of shifts in the last three months, and and I'm definitely closer to ten than I was five years ago. Um, but there's been times in my life that, you know, have been pretty low on the self esteem scale. And I, I know that because I can just look at all the choices I made and the people I surrounded myself with.
0: Do you feel then that, um, self-esteem is like, it goes up and down. So it's not always like, okay, I'm building my self-esteem. And the same thing that we we're talking at the beginning of the episode is not linear going up or exponential and going up, but rather like a little mountain with a lot of hills going up and down, going up and down, or.
1: I absolutely feel like it could be that on the way up and down, up and down. I know, like personally for myself, I would just like some even self esteem, right? So that our our base level, a base level, yeah, higher base level, right? Yeah. That you know, whenever I get to this base level, like I don't want to fall fall below that because we're always a work. We're always a yeah. work in progress, right? We're, yeah. we're none of us are perfect, um, and I and I feel like when we practice it. It starts to get easier because then our confidence builds and we see what happens in our exterior world when we have self esteem. It's like, oh, life works a lot better when I am, you know, stand. I, I don't really like the word power has an interesting vibe for me. You know, sometimes it's like, stand in your power. I'm like, well, what does that, what does that really mean? And you know, there's a a lot of messages like take back your power. And I'm actually going to be um, speaking at a a women's retreat in a couple of weeks. And I'm going to be talking about this whole take back your power concept. And my question is going to be like, have you ever given your power away to someone? And there's going to be people who will say yes, right. I've given my power away. I'm like, really, did you actually physically, you saw them take your power? Like you actually physically saw them like, what does your power look like? Like if someone took your arm away, you'd be like, oh, like my arm's gone. They have my arm, they took my arm. They like took my shirt away. Oh my gosh, like my shirt's off. They have my shirt, they took my shirt away. I don't feel like we ever give our power away. We just forget it. We just forget that it is it. It is us. Like it is us, we just forget. And, um, you know, generating the ability to remember that which is tied into self-esteem which is tied into confidence which is tied into intuition which is tied into trusting ourselves it's just remembering that like it's all it's all here it's all here
0: that's that's an interesting way i never thought about it that way and i think i read one time i forget from which book but I love this sentence and it's tied to what you're saying. It says, for me, like confidence is not a thing. It's a result. It's a result of your actions. And so if you do actions that are in favor of you and the things that you want to do, then you start getting more confident. But the sentence said, uh, every time you do an action that takes you forward, whatever that means in your life, you're casting a vote for the person that you want to be. So Mm. it's like going into elections and you're voting for yourself, but for that person that you want to be and you want to bring it into the present, you know, so I love that thing of casting a vote. And that's what you're saying. You, you, you didn't stop being, now people will say that I stopped being myself, but you just forgot, or you stopped practicing, but it is there. Nobody really took it away You just stop practicing or stop acting or stop being, you know, your full power and just let somebody else take all of that but absolutely yeah
1: i know that this is sort of a podcast that might involve video and and, or that some people won't be able to watch it so i'll verbally kind of like you've seen these matryoshka wooden dolls right yeah yeah so i I won't like open it and go through it but i i use this a, a lot as a prop i like to use props when i teach concepts and like literally if you you know take off all the layers that little part in the middle, that's our power, that's our confidence, that's our self-esteem. It's, it's always there. We just yeah. kind of cover it yeah. with layers of stories and beliefs and experiences. And the only way we can like rediscover it is, is not to ignore this stuff. Cause when we ignore it, it actually just gets bigger is to practice that curiosity and that self-reflection of why did I say that? Why did I make that choice? You know, what was the purpose of that? And you know, just always asking ourselves questions that, that reflect on on our day, on our week, on our year. And as you start to dig a little bit deeper into you, you get to know yourself again.
0: And once you get into toxic relationships for whatever reason, and you stop being yourself, you stop, you know, acting your full potential, what can help you to start walking away or you know, changing so that you get out of those toxic relationships?
1: Well, I have experience in this category, (laughs) Um, some pretty vivid experience. And, you know, part of the reason when I put the yoga code all on hold years ago was I was in a relationship with someone who would chip away at me every time I started becoming more successful. Who do you think you are? Oh, you and your social media, like you only post on social media to get attention and, oh, your little yogi friends. And it just chipped away at me. And I considered myself someone to have really high sense of confidence my whole life. You know, even as a young girl, I just, I thought I would do something and I just, you know, did it, like move to a new city with a three-year-old as a young mom, like whatever I thought of, like I can do that. And I would just do it. And here I was in a relationship where I allowed someone to chip away at me to the point of, uh, I thought I believed it. I started believing it. And some personality types in toxic relationships are just very, very clever and skilled at having you believe the lie that you're not good enough. And and these kinds of relationships though can also be highly addictive. When we have that kind of trauma bond, we were talking about trauma, right? That we almost get energetically attached to that trauma, to that toxicity. It becomes normal, it becomes a way of life. And it took me a few times to try and get out of that. And what what really helped for me is making the you know just getting to the realization that enough is enough. I will I will never realize the dreams that I want. I will never live the life that I want and fully be myself if I stay attached to this. And then also community, like really surrounding yourself with community, because I in, in talking to enough people about this topic, uh, women in particular. And although, and uh, one man in particular, I've just have more women friends around me. That's why we talk about it. Um, There's a lot of shame wrapped up in being in a toxic relationship, especially if you're a woman who other people would think is like super confident. So then we don't share a lot about it. And then it becomes a secret. And that shame actually amplifies um, the isolation, it amplifies the self doubt and the low self esteem. And so finding people you can trust to be open and honest and talking about it is so incredibly important too to rebuilding the self-esteem.
0: Powerful, yeah. And I think shame is in so many things. Even the people that have gone through trauma and abuse, there's shame and guilt. And there is a time, I think, where we have to go through the uncomfortable situation of even sharing or you know, going through some therapies or going through, but I think that's, that's the step to liberate like you're saying you know you had friends around that you could talk and verbalize and then little by little just get out of of that situation i think Absolutely. shame and guilt are so damaging um and and sometimes just speaking up one time can change around so much in terms of Absolutely. shame and guilt yeah
1: communication it's incredibly important yeah um you know there's There's times that I think, oh my gosh, if I had my son now with everything that I know and all the information (laughs) out there on conscious parenting, how would things be different? Because, you know, he's almost 30 years old. I was 19. There was no internet. I had no clue what I was doing. And I made a lot, I would make better, I would make different decisions Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, had I had the chance. However, to release some of the shame and guilt that I felt around my parenting, some of my parenting choices when my son was young, I talk to him about it now. And I, like, I say, you know, when that happened, that was not the best decision that I could have made. Right. And I just, I get honest with him and then he reflects back to me. He said, yeah, that like that part really hurt me. And I hadn't even thought of that. I'm like, Oh, I, I forgot about that. That hurt you. And and actually there was one part that, he actually had a different memory than I, than I had, but in us talking about it and bringing it out into the open and being open and honest, um, we were able to relieve a lot of kind of shame and guilt energy for both of us. So parenting, it's super
0: important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful because I even heard the stories of some parents that will tell something they were really ashamed and the children will never remember that. Like they, they, It's like, what, you know, I don't remember that part. And they have had this shame for a long time, you know, and then vice versa, you know, children that were really hurt by something, the parents were not even aware, you know, so they're like, why didn't you ever say, I'm sorry. It's like, I wasn't aware. So these communications are so important in any relationship for that matter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, um, I remember interviewing a parenting expert, um, on how these principles of, the elevation now called the elevation code could be used in parenting. And, you know, there's respect, there's truth. There's, I mean, there's so many of them. And um, I I just, I think it's so cool right now to see all the parenting tools available out there. Um, But the bottom line is we all have the biggest tool and that's just opening our mouth and being honest and
0: communicating from a place of kindness and love yeah. and uh, can you share with us a little bit about the elevation code because you're launching soon i don't well i don't know when this podcast is going to be released yet <laughs> yeah. but uh but you're just uh getting it back out there again
1: yeah you know i'm um april 13th um so whenever this this launches i'm actually just taking a very uh small group of 12 people through this new evolution of the work right so i've updated it and i'm and i'm going to be testing some new concepts out and so i wanted to keep the group quite quite small so there's a ton of feedback and interaction and it'll be a 12-week program um but moving forward you know it, it will be sort of more open to the general public and that that might be more of a self-study version as well for people who want to do it that way um and it will definitely be group coaching and also one-on-one coaching um, for those who prefer the more intimate aspect of it. Um, but for now, I'm just taking a small group as I as I really refine the mm-hmm. work before yeah. bringing it out into the world in a big way.
0: And in those uh, codes, which is one that has really impacted you?
1: Okay. So um, I was actually thinking about this yesterday. There's There's two of them really the biggest one for me has been the one, well, it's called, I call it temperance. And temperance is the concept of moderation or even like restriction. And, you know, people hear the word restriction and it's like, feels, well, that feels restrictive. (laughs) Um, But temperance is knowing when you've reached that point of enough, like I've reached the point of enough. And that could be in what you're eating, how much you're working, um, how much you talk, how much you exercise even. Um, It's really knowing, and the way that I describe it is if you have a campfire that's burning and it's burning perfectly and there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of heat on the campfire and then you put a log on it and that's okay, right? I mean, the fire will start to burn around it and it eventually starts to build again, but then you put another log on it and then you put another log on it And you're putting the logs on way too quickly, and the energy, the fire just snuffs out. And this principle of temperance is really understanding that, no, I need to let this fire burn a little bit. It's not ready for more. I don't need to add another thing. I don't need to, you know have another cookie, although it's not always about food, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't need to have one more thing that I can actually just let my life be right now.
0: I can just let it be. That's a good one, actually, because it's the opposite. Like you're saying, is everybody's like, how can I do more? And this is, well, maybe this is not the time to do more. It's the time to do less. It's the time to yes, stop. Yes, especially the in the world cost. of
1: personal growth. Yeah. In personal growth and personal development, spirituality. I mean... Be like, okay, I read this book and then this book and this book, and I'm gonna take this course and I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna take this. And I would see it when I was running workshops and retreats. Um, I I would actually I had one woman who just like wanted to come to every retreat, and I actually told her, like, let the work integrate. Yeah, like you have to actually, if you if you read the book, you, you put it down and then practice what you've learned. And that's why with Elevation Code, I really make sure with every principle, there's integration of like, how can you apply this into your life right now? Like, don't go and read another book about it. Become it,
0: exactly. like live it.
1: Yeah. So it, it's,
0: the, it's the principle of knowing when to kind of let things be. You know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, Andrew Huberman, who's a neuroscientist who has a podcast also. He works at Stanford and he has this podcast where he's giving a lot of information about how we function in every part, you know, in every way. And it's really interesting. And one of the things when he talks about how we integrate and learn motion and and movement and things that have to do with the body, the best thing you even studying, even studying, but the best thing you can do after like a, 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 you know, a chunk of time of like 90 minutes where you work is do nothing. Mm. it's five minutes or 10 minutes of doing nothing not don't put music nothing you you know you can maybe do a little bit like of hypnosis which also helps but if you just lay down and do nothing your brain is integrating you know what you were saying so even our bodies are wired to do nothing to integrate you know so i think that is so important and i have a friend uh Quenda lima who also he's he's uh he has this sentence that he always talks about he's he's very spiritual and is uh, stop observe absorb integrate like there's a part where you have to integrate so it's the absorption is the integration and yeah. i think that's so important it's uh so that's a powerful thing and what was the second one now i'm curious
1: <laughs> well actually it is curiosity <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> It's curiosity. This principle, I used to call it self-reflection. It's principle number nine. And as I've been updating the work, I changed to curiosity because self-reflection is very much like on the self, Mm -hmm. right? However, curiosity, we can get curious, which is a form of self-reflection, curious about why did I do that? Why do I say that? Why do I have this pattern? Why did that person trigger me? it's becoming, it's the art of being curious about ourselves, but also about other people, right? Being curious about the world, right? And I feel like if we can um, start to ask other people questions, like, tell me about that. Like, tell me what that's like for you, right? When we look at, you know, how the world is shifting and there's so much that we don't accept, there's a lot of judgment and intolerance and if we can stop and ask ourselves get curious we can start to understand how other people are feeling and then that's what brings more unity and compassion in the world as a whole right getting curious about others other cultures other genders you know just uh, uh, just getting curious um i feel like if we're just living on our own world and only curious about ourselves we forget We're all part of everything. So if the focus is only on us, we forget about everyone else. And that's what
0: creates creates a more disconnected world. Well, I could keep on going and talking for a long time, but I I (laughs) want to be respectful of your time. (laughs) And I know there's so much to learn. You had such an amazing experience, you know, helping businesses, helping so many people, working on tuition, on spirituality, on the world, you know, also the body. So there's so much to learn. Everybody that is listening, you have to follow Mm -hmm. Jackie Domain and also with what she's bringing out with the Elevation Code. I'm I'm really uh, looking forward to when you put it more out there and we can all learn from that. Thank you very much for your time. Jackie, is there anything else that you want to share before we have to say goodbye Hmm.
1: i would um hmm. maybe i'll like leave everybody with a little bit of an assignment a soul assignment for the for the day and it's going to be on on intuition because again intuition is tied into self-esteem confidence etc and it's a little exercise i used to give my clients and uh, they found it really fun is to pick one day where you only follow your intuition like you follow your intuition and I suggest get out of the house and like maybe go to a neighborhood you haven't been in, like block off an afternoon and and almost act like a tourist in your own city, like go to a new a new neighborhood and just follow your intuition. Like, where should I park? What stores do I go into? What people am I drawn to? Did I strike up a conversation with a stranger and just trust like any little nudge that you get. And I, I practiced this the first time it was in New York city in 2011. Um, I thought I'm going to do an experiment and follow my intuition all day. And I, um, I wrote uh, an email about it to my list a few weeks ago. And I, I just like, I ended up having coffee with Simon Sinek in a little cafe in New York city. It I mean, crazy, <laughs> like just, wow. it just <laughs> and that was because my intuition was like, oh, okay, I'm being pulled to go into this coffee shop, even though I just had like a coffee an hour ago, but I'm going to do it. And sure enough, he was there. And the funny thing was that the next day, well, he was speaking at an event that I was at and it was a like a huge event. And I remember when he was done speaking, there was a lineup to go and talk to him and get every, you know, to sign the books. And I'm just like, ah, my intuition was like, I'm not getting in this lineup whatever i'll I'll connect with him at another time and then I do this experiment he's still in New York sure enough I walk in and he's sitting at the cappuccino espresso bar all by himself and so I sat with him he gave me a start with Y coin and the funny thing is that the next day he was getting on a plane to fly to Calgary where I'm from oh, wow. um, to drive to Banff in the mountains to do a speaking engagement so the experiment with intuition, you just never know what's going to happen, who you're going to meet, what messages you get. And I would encourage everyone to to practice that. It's it's a fun assignment.
0: That's an amazing story. If, if for nothing else, at least you will get amazing stories. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. I can imagine going to Sinek and saying, my intuition told me that I should meet you here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. that's cool everybody please try that it sounds like a great experiment actually i'm gonna do it too (laughs) so i'll tell you jackie what happened (laughs) yeah well thank you thank you sending you a big big hug to you from here from spain thank you christina i'm sure we'll talk again soon yeah